Hi, this is Ben Lowe with Back to the Bible Canada, and today is Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. And I just want to remind you that uh, you can hear Truth and Life Today every week uh, by going to iTunes or our YouTube channel, uh, liking us on Facebook, or even go online to backtothebible.ca. And just a reminder, if you go to backtothebible.ca, you can also add your question in that Dr. John and I will hopefully uh, have the opportunity to discuss in, in a future episode. Today we're going to discuss uh, the whole area of remarriage and divorce. Yeah. And John, I would like to say this is the first time this issue's ever come up. <laughs> you know, Ben, and not only is not this not the first time it's ever come up, I've got a feeling no matter what we say, yeah. we're in a lot of trouble, right? We're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, just the way we go about doing things at Back to the Bible Canada and the way you go about your preaching, we recognize there's nothing that we're able to just leave out. No, we can't. Uh, expositional preaching is all about that. It, it, it puts in that safeguard that we can't avoid the difficult issues in our walk with Christ. And so we welcome this conversation, and uh, we hope that uh, it will be a blessing and an encouragement to those that, that hear. Uh, so let's get started. What does the Bible talk to us? What does it teach us about remarriage and divorce? Well, I think we have to start with what the Bible teaches about marriage, because unless we get that right, okay. then, the, then the divorce thing is weird, right? So, you know, the, the creation narrative, God creates... Um, not only the man and the woman, but he creates them for intimacy with each other and an exclusive union with each other, which is the sexual union. So for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and so forth, and the two shall become one flesh. And the one flesh surely speaks about sexual intimacy, but it speaks about intimacy, I think, at all levels. So uh, there is a, a, a creation of God, the first ever human institution upon which all human relationships stand or fall is the institution of marriage. It is fundamental to all human relationships. It is blessed by God and it is not to separate. Jesus in Matthew 19, whatsoever God has joined together, realizing it was God who joined a couple together. Uh, therefore, let man not separate. So we are forbidden from breaking the union that was created by God. So we can say, in every case without exception, Ben, whenever there's a divorce, it is a direct violation of the Creator's intention, and therefore, a divorce is always sin, without exception. So you can't say, I mean, I remember years ago I had a, had a conversation with my dentist or a one-way conversation where he was speaking to me, not a Christian man, and he was telling me that his wife couldn't have any kids, so they had a mutual agreement, we'll just separate, and it was like, all, it was all good, I'm sure you get that, he said, as he's drilling into my, teeth, my tooth, and I, <laughs> and I wanted desperately to tell him it's not okay, right? This was instituted by God. So I think we need to say that. I think the second thing that we need to say is, even while every single case of a divorce is sin, the sin is not equally applied to both partners. I mean, we have this bad attitude of saying it's 50-50. So that, let's say, in this case, a husband goes out and commits adultery. Then somehow we want to say to the wife, well, maybe you are cold towards him. And I, it doesn't matter if she was or wasn't. She did not cause the adultery, and he wears the adultery full up. It's his sin and not hers. And so we need to say that, and if sin of adultery has broken a marriage, he wears that fully, or if she commits it, she wears it fully. Um, so we want to say that. So in Matthew chapter 5, which I happen to have open to me, uh, where Jesus speaks about this very thing, he does say about divorce, whoever divorces his wife, 
let him give her a certificate of divorce. Now, in our language, we, we, we don't understand this, but we have to understand the ancient world. You didn't go to a courthouse to get married. Uh, you married someone in a, in a religious ceremony and it wasn't registered somewhere. So if you got divorced, where is that registered? Well, since your marriage wasn't registered, where do you register a divorce? So, so it is demanded in the law of Moses that a certificate must be given. So you can't just willy-nilly divorce your wife. You have to hand a certificate and it formalizes the affair and say, now from this day, the marriage is broken. So that's the context. So Jesus says, that's what's been said. And it has been said. And he says, but I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife, and there's the big exception clause, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And that's because she would go and marry someone else because she'd have to. There was no social safety net. She'd have to attach herself to another man in that culture. Otherwise, how would she live? Now you're causing an adulterous union, says Jesus, but you're not causing that in the case of sexual immorality, which I think here, I mean, it's a long discussion, but I think we can point to adultery. So when adultery happens, Jesus wants to say it breaks the marriage. The marriage is over. So Christ wants to say that there are things that violate the marriage, that so break the marriage that it can't go on. Now, does it mean that every adultery ends up in divorce? It doesn't have to when there is genuine repentance. But let's say there's not, and the adulterer continues to commit adultery. The marriage is over, and Jesus wants to say that so. So clearly, Christ recognized that adultery breaks marriages. That's how serious it is. So if if we look at that, we've got a biblical perspective on on the permissibility, in essence, of divorce. Yep. There's that exception clause that says that. Uh, What about remarriage? So it seems to me that if the marriage is over, then the person who is divorced can't commit adultery because the marriage is over. Well, they, you know, they, if they get married, you can't say, well, it's adultery. And the only reason we would say it's adultery is because the first marriage still holds. But if the first marriage does not hold, yeah. then clearly a second marriage is not adultery. Okay. So I would say this to someone. I mean, Paul gives a second exception clause. It's found in 1 Corinthians 7. He talks about an unbelieving spouse leaving. And so that the spouse doesn't believe it. And essentially they're leaving because they don't want anything to do with your faith. So they leave and he says, the, the believer is not bound. Uh, the word is luo and it means, I mean, to bind and to loose. So the person is loosed, that's luo, from the marriage bond. They're no longer bound to it. So he also says that there is a case in which the marriage is broken, it's loosed. So I'm gonna argue that whenever the marriage is loosed and, and I would say those two cases, uh, then in that case, that person is no longer bound by the marriage. And if they're not bound by the marriage, yeah. then they are clearly free to marry. Yeah. I, I can't see it any other way. I think the Bible is actually unequivocal on that. And that doesn't make light of the covenant of marriage. Yeah. It rather says that the Bible says that there are some things so grievous, there's a sin that can be committed that's so extreme that will actually break the bonds that God has said must never be broken. Yeah, just, just and you said it, but just to clarify, uh, in that situation, 
uh, where one spouse is Christian and the other is not, yep. it divorce can take place when the non-believer chooses to leave, yep. not when the believer chooses to leave. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Now, you know, often, uh, men, so we, we normally mention the two exception clauses, so adultery and the desertion of the unbelieving spouse. Yep. Uh, often the question then get a, gets asked, what about abuse? And the faithful Christian church needs to protect, in this case, it's often women, although it's sometimes men, but when there is one person being abused, the faithful Christian church needs to move in, protect, and defend. It would be, to me, ungodly to send someone back into a place where she's going to keep on getting beat up or completely whipped constantly. Mm-hmm. We, want to, we, want to, you know, we want to protect. But let's say in that case... We've protected that person, taken them to a place of safety, and then the abusing spouse just goes off and lives with somebody else. It would be wrong then to say to that woman, you know, you, you, you can't ever seek another marriage. Meanwhile, he's living with somebody else. Yeah. Um, I think that living with somebody else, marriage is broken. Yeah. So, I, you know, from my understanding, you still have the only two exception clauses that allow for remarriage. Um, but I would also say that, you know, when, the, when somebody goes off to, and just lives with someone, marries someone else, however the situation comes, okay. the marriage is then broken. I think what the Bible says, Ben, is that we are to seek reconciliation, restore the marriage wherever that's possible. But we need to say that there are places where it is physically impossible. Uh, the, the person who wrote in this uh, question had an interesting um, scenario whereby uh, they were remarried and there were children involved. Yep. In hindsight, they look back and they think to themselves, the divorces that they had were probably not uh, meeting those criteria. And now they're wondering, now that we've recognized that, what is the best thing for us to do, uh, given that we have children and now we're remarried? Yeah, isn't sin a messy thing, right? Yeah, really Let's is. all admit that. Let's admit that sin is a messy thing. And uh, I, you know, I would just give counsel. Perhaps the counsel would come from David and Bathsheba. I mean, David does not then say, okay, because I committed adultery with Bathsheba, therefore I will not marry her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first thing I would say to a couple, they've both come to the realization we were ungodly and were in direct violation of Scripture and carried on rebellion against God when we divorced our spouses and we were also in violation when we got, remar- when we got married to each other. So then they need to say that. They need to openly confess it to their children and to all, even their church. Yeah. I, I think it needs to be open. Secondly, you can't unscramble eggs. In most cases, you would say to that couple, you need to stay together. Yeah. And I know there are going to be people that are angry with me because I say that. But sometimes there are children involved and sometimes whole relationships are broken. And I guess the best biblical analogy that I can give is the analogy that what to do when, especially as the gospel goes forward, you will actually win people to Christ who live in multiple marriages. So you have one man with four or five wives that he's married with. You don't tell him to divorce four of them and keep one of them because in that case you make orphans out of all those children. But you say to the next generation, don't live this way. And even the person who comes to Christ say, this is not what God intended for me. So I think that's the way in which we handle it, and that's the best of my wisdom for that. Yeah. 
Well, it's a, it's a tough issue, you know, sure and, uh, and you're right. The, the, the spider webs of, of divorce and broken marriage uh, just, just stretch so far. And sometimes I wonder, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, just how, how, how difficult it must be for those that have experienced this and they need to go on and they need to raise their children and, and the church needs to love them and pray for them and support them. But thanks so much, John. I know it's a difficult issue and I'm sure we're going to be talking about it again yeah, we will. in the future. Uh, thanks so much for joining us again in Truth and Life today. Uh, join us uh, next week. We're going to take a number of different questions that have come in, uh, issues of slavery and baptism, and uh, we're going to look at uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6 as well. So join us next week right here on Truth and Life Today. We hope you're enjoying the new Truth and Life Today show with Dr. John Newfeld. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode each week. But we want you to be involved in the show. To submit your own personal questions to Dr. John, you can email us at info at backtothebible.ca or find us on Facebook by searching Truth and Life Today.